Last Easter, the BBC wanted a headline that was negative about Christians. And uh, so they approached one of the big survey companies and said, uh, can you find out how many Christians, people who call themselves Christians, don't believe in the resurrection? And you may remember the answer was 14% of people who call themselves Christians don't believe in the physical resurrection of Jesus. And uh, that the... Um, the number of people in this country who call themselves Christians has dropped to 48%. don't know if you remember seeing that. What they chose not to mention was that uh, from the same set of research, which was actually initiated by several groups of churches, uh, was that the number of people attending church has not changed in the last 10 years. It's remained stable at 6%. And so we, we were expecting the number of social Christians to drop off, particularly amongst young people, which the, uh, the research showed. So that was no surprise, really. Um, but the, the same research showed some other things, which will come up on the screen in just a moment. Um, the full research is available online. Uh, it's called talkingjesus.org, and it's fascinating. So... Um, yeah, if you double click, hopefully it'll, it'll get there. Um, but anyway, 53% of people who were polled said that they knew a Christian, which I think is a good, good starting point. 53% of people know a Christian, a practicing Christian. And, uh, oh, yeah, we're nearly there. So ne that's the next slide. We should... There you are. So, uh, unfortunately, the images aren't showing very well today, but you get the drift. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, what do people think about Christians? Well, it's actually really positive, isn't it? Now, the media would like us to think that it's uh, hypocritical, homophobic, all that kind of thing. When it comes to what do people think about church, unfortunately, that is true. But uh, you're doing a good job because people think that you're caring, friendly, encouraging, hopeful, good-humoured, generous and authentic. So in spite of all the, the, you know, the baggage that we all carry and the fear that we have, actually we're having a very positive impact in our community. Um, let's look at the next one. Those who were had a Christian friend, they were asked, has that Christian you know ever talked about to you about their faith? And the answer is that 55% of non-Christians who realize that they have Christians in contact with them, because some Christians are really good at going under the radar, but uh, of those who know a non-Christian, 55% um, have talked about their faith. So that's, that's really good. You know, there's a bit more work we can do there. And uh, then the next one, how are the conversations going? Well, I don't know about how you feel when you have a conversation with a non-Christian, whether you feel uncomfortable and all that. 75% of non-Christians feel comfortable having a, a spiritual conversation with us. And on the right, 36% after that conversation would be open to experiencing or encountering Jesus. 
So just the last slide on this particular section, please. That means a gobsmacking one in three non-Christians after a conversation with a Christian want to know more about Jesus. Isn't that encouraging? That's amazing. If we could get out there a little bit more and let people know that we follow Jesus and have appropriate conversations with them, a third of the population will want to know Jesus. So be encouraged. And uh, I think that's it's our, our, our friends, our family, our work colleagues, they all fit into this. And you may say, well, but you don't know what my friends and my family are like. Sorry, the statistics are nationally, from a national poll, one in three. Now, of the two who don't want to know anything more about Jesus, yeah, that's okay. As we've seen with the discovery study training, you only pick fruit when it's ripe. You don't try and rip it off the tree. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a, a lot we can do there. And that's where the discovery studies come in. Uh, you can easily just say to people, would you like to see what the Bible has to say about God? And one in three people are likely to say yes. So, Father, please would you give us courage to talk about our faith, to be active in building really good relationships with those who don't know you. And we ask that we would see a huge harvest of people coming to know you. In Jesus' name. Amen. In our culture, we are very caught up with the externals, aren't we? And as followers of Jesus living in that culture, it's very easy for us to get caught up in exactly those same things as well. So we focus on things like, does our clothing fit in with the group that we're in? So uh, if we could, I think it's two slides on there, Julian. So I just, I find it amusing looking at different groups of people and how their clothing is different. Now some of it's practical. You know, when you're out fishing, it's useful to have pockets to put the flies in and the, everything else. You wouldn't want that necessarily when you're on a bike. But it's the apres ski, the apres sailing and everything else. We like to fit in, don't we? We like to know that um, we're part of the crowd. Um, but also our externals might include, is our makeup right? Uh, it doesn't apply to me, that one, in case you wondered. Uh, do our children behave? Um, and what will people think if they don't? Uh, I think a few of us might have thought that once or twice. In business, we focus on things like cash flow and profit and return on investment. And m many of these things are good to, um, to focus on because they are important, they need our attention. As a church leader, it's very easy to focus on the number of bums on seats as the criteria for success and to forget about discipleship or to assume that the number of the people in the building means that things are healthy and that people are growing and uh, discipleship is happening. So even as a church leader, we get caught up in exactly the same process of looking at externals. And as I said, many external things do need our attention. They can be a really good indicator of what's going on. But if we do that, we, we can't do that at the expense of our internal life. 
So what are we growing internally? What's growing inside us? Are we becoming more like Jesus in our thinking and our desires? Are we growing in love and patience, in kindness and gentleness? Because our hearts are very fertile and whatever we allow there, whatever we put there, is what will grow. Jesus calls to each of us as his followers um, and that includes each one of us to go and make disciples and we have that to go and make disciples of all nations that's the calling for everybody who's a follower of Jesus but you may have noticed that it's hard to make good disciples if we're not good disciples ourselves so what does being a good disciple look like? it's primarily our internal life coming into alignment with the life of Jesus. And then we find that the externals are much easier. In fact, many of them just automatically happen. Don't even have to think about them. Um, I'm not sure if we've got that on the next slide. Nope. Um, I thought it was so important I would write it down, but then obviously didn't. (laughs) But you might want to make a note of it. Discipleship is primarily our internal life coming into alignment with the life of Jesus. It's no good reading the Bible for hours and hours if our heart is then moving further away from Jesus. That then just becomes a religious exercise. And those religious externals are really not the primary thing for us to look at. True spirituality is the flow from our hearts into action. And obviously that will include reading our Bible and all the the good things that good people do. But it's not done as a religious exercise. It's done as an overflow of the life of Jesus coming into alignment or our life coming into alignment with the life of Jesus. Jesus was a rabbi, a religious teacher. And at that time, people would have been very familiar with rabbis. There were quite a lot of them around. And if you became a disciple, the aim was that you became like your rabbi in everything. So uh, a guy called Joseph Shalom wrote, the object of discipleship is to follow, emulate, copy, duplicate and replicate your rabbi all while serving him. I thought that's a really good description of what we want to be doing as followers of Jesus. To follow, emulate, copy, duplicate and replicate Jesus while serving him. When Jesus taught his disciples, a lot of his teaching was about uh, their internal life. So, Matthew 5, 21, you've heard that your ancestors were told you mustn't murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're liable, you're subject to judgment. Oops. Jesus really gets into the nitty-gritty of real life, doesn't he? And this is a commentary on what's happening internally. Because if we have enough self-control, we can uh, stop anybody seeing that we're angry or judgmental or critical or dismissive. But what's really going on inside? Is the life of Jesus really transforming us inside out? You know, if, if we were to take a little exercise today, which you may want to do, and just think through some of the internal issues and compare with a year ago, how are you doing? Are you growing in discipleship? Because 
that's part of God's desire for you. When Samuel visited Jesse's home to pick the new king, God spoke to him. The Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I've rejected him. Not rejected him as a person, because I don't like him, but I've just not chosen the older brothers to be king. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's what God's interested in. Best clothing on a Sunday, evangelical smile in place, pretending that everything's fine, singing songs with gusto, but internally it could be a farce, and God sees that. And there's no place to pretend in God's kingdom because he sees the whole lot. And there's no need to pretend in God's kingdom because we're all broken people. Uh, We can be honest with each other. That's part of the process of being unbroken. And, And then God helps us. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable or pleasing. That doesn't mean, you know, you just scrape in. It means completely delightful to him. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So it talks there about uh, our bodies being given as a sacrifice to God. That's our entire body. It's not just giving God your left little toe. The word means your entire being not just your physical body. So your body, your mind, your soul, your finances, your relationships, your career, it's surrendering to God, the whole jolly lot. And it tells us that as we surrender, that God transforms us. And the Greek word there is the word from from which we get metamorphosis. A complete and radical change. And we change because we've been changed from the inside out so that the externals can't help but change. On Sunday we come with a smile because of the joy that's in us. We sing songs with gusto because of our incredible thankfulness to Jesus for restoring our relationship with God the Father, who lets us come as we are and then he helps us to change. And as it says there, it starts with surrender, and then it helps us as we surrender to gradually change the way we think and uh, the way we think about God, the way we think about ourselves, about others, about life, about our career, our finances, our sexuality, the environment, the the economy, whatever category you want to put in there, God wants to enlighten the way that we think. All of it needs to be influenced and directed by our relationship with God. And the result is that we know God and we know what he thinks. We become a a true disciple, which is what it's all about. So last slide, please, Gillian. Um, John Wimber said, I'm just loose change in the father's pocket. He can spend me any way he wants. I think that's the sign of a true disciple. 
Somebody who has surrendered absolutely everything and is saying to Jesus, I'm here, you can do with me as you wish. I will serve you wherever, I'll do whatever you want. I think Christians very often have a fear though that if you surrender, God's going to ask you to do something that you hate, something that's going to be really difficult, and then if you really don't want to go as a missionary, that God will definitely send you as a missionary. My experience is that as my life comes into alignment with the life of Jesus, my desires change. And uh, six months before God called me to work in the church, I was working on the farm. I love farming. If somebody had said to me, I think God's calling you to be ordained, I would have run a mile. But God changed me so that when my boss came in one evening and said that, I suddenly realized, I think you're right. I think that's the right thing. God had changed me so that I wanted to do what he wanted me to do. And surrender becomes a place of freedom and liberty rather than slavery. So don't, don't be afraid of surrender. So I want to encourage you, if you can, to find some time this week and to ask Jesus what needs to change on the inside. You know, we're so focused on the externals. I just ask him, what needs to change on the inside? And uh, some of us were doing that at Finding Freedom. We had a list of ungodly beliefs that um, we then identified what the godly belief was uh, instead of that. Um, so if you struggle with believing that God loves you, then the truth is, the Bible says, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with cords of kindness. And so we replace the ungodly belief with the godly belief. And sometimes that needs uh, friends to pray for us and to help us. Uh, sometimes it's just uh, repeating the truth, often out loud, that helps us as well. There are many things that we take for granted about who we are and the way things are because of the way we were brought up. Uh, education, the experiences that we've had, they all shape what we believe. So let's take some time to allow Jesus to shape us and to show us, and he'll do it very gently, if there's anything that we need to, <clears throat> pardon me, that we need to put right. If you're already aware of something that you could do with some help with, then before you leave today, grab somebody. We'd love to pray for you and help you in that journey because God doesn't leave us on our own. So be encouraged. God is at work in your life. He delights in you and your friends have a much more positive image of you than you might have thought. Um, so let's go and have some good conversations with unchurched people as well. Okay. <clears throat> I think uh, let's stand together, shall we?